Well, good morning. So, so today we're starting this brand new series, Thankful Hearts of Gratitude. And, and I know there's some of you sitting out there saying, hey, pastor, thankful only has one L, not two. And, and I do agree with that. Thankful only has one L, not two. But it's actually for this, it's actually two different words, thank and full. So, so it's actually thank and full, not thankful, as you would put it that way. Because I did the same thing I'm looking at, and I'm like, well, you know, maybe we need to space it out a little more in the graphic, but, but I like the way it looks, so we kept it that way. Um, and ultimately, all of us are going to be full of something during this holiday season. You, you think about it, we're going we're gonna to be full, some of us are going to be full of turkey and dressing, some of us are going to be full of ham, some of us are going to be, be full of stress over the holiday season. Some of us are going to have a house full of people. Some of us are going to wish we didn't have a house full of people. And for some of us, we've been told we're full of something all of our life, and, but I'll leave that up to your, you, your family, to figure that one out. But, but I think we all just need to look and, and understand, wouldn't it be great to be full of thanks? To be full of thanks, especially these eight weeks leading up through Easter. Easter, wow. Leading up through Christmas, wouldn't it be amazing just to be full of thanks this whole time? I mean, I don't know about you, but, but I do like to be thankful. I, I, I want to be full of thanks. I should be full of thanks and gratitude because of Jesus, what Jesus has done for me. I, I should be content, but I'm not always content. And, and I do want to say, before I get too far, I do need to vent. You know, a... Uh, uh, Two weeks ago, Patty and I, on a Monday night, <clears throat> we, we headed out to Target to get some Halloween candy. Halloween was a week away. And we walked into Target, and it was like I walked into Christmas. And I'm like, it's not even Halloween yet. The Halloween candy was all the way in the back of the store, you know, all the way back there where they're kind of like getting ready to put it into the warehouse. And Halloween was a week away. And it was all about Christmas. You go out there in the world today, go inside stores, every place you go, it's a Christmas palooza. Even Micah was playing Christmas music in here this morning. Now, 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 mind you, I'm not a Grinch when it comes to Christmas. It's just, you know, I want Thanksgiving. You know, people go, as Jerry said, people go straight from Labor Day to Christmas. Well, you know, Halloween's in between, but... Hey, everyone skips over Thanksgiving. I happen to enjoy Thanksgiving. I, I enjoy that whole process. And, and hey, I'm a Cowboys fan, so you know I like Thanksgiving because who plays on Thanksgiving Day? My Cowboys play. So, so you know, it's got to be about Thanksgiving. And I thought I raised my kids well, but, but as I was actually writing this part of the sermon this week, my daughter called me from uh, up in Missouri, and she said, hey, Dad, guess what? I'm decorating my house for Christmas. I was like, excuse me, didn't I do better than raising you? You know, thank, you don't decorate till Thanksgiving morning while the turkey's in the oven. And, and that's when you do, you know, that's how you grew up. And, and she says, well, dad, I, it, it's a season. No, it's not a season. And she tried to come up with this whole philosophy on why she was able to decorate for Christmas now to the point that she says, let me talk to mom. I said, well, mom happens to be at the dentist. So she says, I'm going to text mom. So, of course, she texts Patty, and, 
Before Patty calls her, she knows she's being set up. She says, what did Brittany want to talk to me about? <laughs> so she, I kind of gave her a heads up, you know, because that's what we do as husband and wife. You know, we kind of do this united front. And, and then she called up our daughter and got the same story I got. And, but then I figured, okay, you know, one out of four is not bad. Then yesterday I'm talking to my son, and what's he doing? Decorating his house for Christmas. I'm like, I have failed as a parent. What about Thanksgiving? You know, I, I, I want to be thankful. I want to know what I need to be thankful for, why I need to be thankful, and most importantly, how to be thankful. Because unfortunately in the world today, people don't know how to be thankful. And I think there's this key to, to being content and being thankful. And I think there's this, in order to be content, if I'm going to be happy, I need to be thankful on top of it. So, so I need this Thanksgiving season because Lord knows I'm generally not a thankful person. And I'm generally not someone who's content either. You know, you think about being content and you read in God's word that, you know, God's word, be content. Well, sometimes I have a problem being content. And even when it says it in God's word and, and I'm not feeling content at the time and, and I read it and I'm like, yeah, okay, I understand you're saying be content, but... Am I the only one who does that? Am I the only one who, who looks at it and says, but God, I'm not content right now? You know, it's kind of like when you grew up and your parents said, this is what's for dinner. You're going to have this or you're not having anything at all, and guess what? You're going to like it. You know, I feel like that sometimes when I'm digging into God's Word. And, you know, it says, be content. Well, I, it's kind of like a, here, you be content. You take it. You're going to like it. But I don't like it. And sometimes it's hard to really understand that, and I struggle with that whole being content. And I think a lot of the time it's because I'm not thankful. I'm not thankful for the things I have. I'm not thankful for what's going on around me. So if I can't be content, no matter what I read in God's Word, I still can't be content. And then you get other parts of God's Scripture, and it talks about being poor. Well, I don't want to be poor either. But yet we should be content you know, you even think about, well, you should be poor because if you think of the rich young ruler, what did he say? Sell everything you have. Good thing that's not a universal command and we don't have to sell everything we have, but that's a sermon for another day. But, but that whole thing of just sitting there, you mean I got to be poor? You mean I can't have what I want? You mean I can't go on these great vacations or have my heart's desire? And, and, and But God, I don't understand. So I struggle with being content. I struggle with being thankful or full of thanks. And I struggle with this heart of gratitude because unfortunately, sometimes it just don't feel like it. Sometimes I just, it's not right. Sometimes I have a bad day. And I know I can't be the only one. I mean, does everyone in this room walk around full of thanks all the time? No. No? Okay, thank God. I thought it was just me. Wow. I was like, man, I hope this don't go the wrong way. <laughs> but, but I think we need to understand that when we, when we really look into God's Word, and, and that's what we're going to do through this series. We're going to dig into what God's Word says about being content, about what contentment really is. And that's even today, what is contentment? You know, uh, contentment can be so many different things. But I think we need to understand from the beginning 
that, that we don't have to continually seek after the latest, greatest thing. Instead, we should seek Christ, and he will satisfy our desires. And we need to do that because we can actually be content in Christ. As much as we get so caught up in this world, and the world tells us to do so many different things, we can be content in Christ. But it takes work. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Luke chapter 3, verses 10 through 14. If you don't have a Bible with you, as always, it will be up on the screen. But let's go ahead and dig in. Luke chapter 3, verses 10 through 14. What then should we do? The crowds were asking him. He replied to them, The one who has two shirts must share with someone who has none, and the one who has food must do the same. Tax collectors also came up to be baptized, and then they asked him, Teacher, what should we do? He told them, Don't collect any more than what you have been authorized. Some soldiers also questioned him, What should we do? He said to them, don't take money from anyone by force or false accusation and be satisfied with your wages. So, Heavenly Father, as we dig into your word today, Lord, Lord, open up our eyes to see what it is you want us to see. Open up our ears so we may hear your voice and may we learn to be content. May we learn to be content in you and everything you call us to do. And Lord, may my words be your words, and may your name be glorified. We make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to give a little background, because you're probably looking at this scripture going, well, Pastor, that don't make a whole lot of sense. What's the whole context of it? And what it is this John the Baptist? So John the Baptist is in the midst of his ministry, and he's going around, and he's calling people to be baptized and to repent. And basically what he's doing is he's proclaiming repentance across the kingdom, and he's telling the Jews they need to repent, and they need to change their ways, and they need to do it now. It's not a put it off, it's a you need to do this now. And ultimately it's because you think about the the people of Israel were supposed to be the light of the world. They were supposed to tell people who God is. But unfortunately, like many of us, even as Christians how we're supposed to tell people who Jesus is and what he does, we kind of get caught up in our own thing. And here, the Israelites kind of got caught up in doing their own thing, and they weren't really being this light of the world. They really weren't showing who God was or telling people who God is. They were kind of caught up doing their own thing. And they shifted their focus. So here, John the Baptist is basically scolding Israel. He's getting on them for what they're doing instead of following what God's word has called them to do. And he's basically told them that their problem is that they need to repent and they need to produce fruit of their repentance. Boy, that's a sermon. Fruit of their repentance. Do we actually provide that fruit of our repentance? And this is what John the Baptist is calling them to do, that, that they need to repent, they need to be baptized, and they should bear fruit because of their wayward ways. They need to turn back to God and do what is right. And I think, you know, at this point you get some tax collectors and some soldiers come up and they start asking the same question, hey, what should we do? What should we do and, and what, how should we live our life and what should we do? And, 
And basically, he tells them, don't take money from anyone by force or false accusation and be satisfied. So it seems pretty straightforward. Basically, he's telling them, be satisfied with the income that you have, is what he's kind of telling the tax collectors and the soldiers. But I think it's interesting that the tax collectors come up to him. Now, and I always found the tax collectors in Scripture really interesting people. Because you think about it, they weren't liked by the Jews, but they were Jews. You know, and they weren't liked from the Jews because they worked for Rome. And as they worked for Rome, what they did is they went to their neighbors and they went to their fellow brothers and sisters and they took money from them to give to Rome. But they would take more than what they were supposed to take so that they could make their own living, kind of skimming off the top. And as they're doing this, you know, I think it's interesting that they weren't told to stop being tax collectors. You know, John didn't tell them, you know, when they, hey, what should I do? He didn't say, stop being a tax collector. He didn't tell them to quit their job. He basically tells them to only take what you're supposed to take. Stop skimming off the top. In other words, you have enough. You don't need more. But yet you're robbing from your brothers and sisters. And guess what? That's why they don't like you. Because you're unloyal, you're unjust, you live in this life that you shouldn't be living. And that's what John the Baptist is telling them. And it's that reality of, you've got what you need. Every one of us has what we need. And then you even get the soldiers that come up. Well, what must we do? That thing is interesting. It tells them, don't extort money. So there seems to be this whole thing going on here, dealing with money and being content. So he kind of tells him, you know, hey, don't extort money. Don't accuse people falsely. Because you see, there is this relationship between contentment and money. Because most people think, well, if I have enough money, I'll be content. And most people think, well, if I don't have any money, I'm not going to be content. It kind of goes both ways. You know, I, I need more to be happy, but even when I get more, I'm not going to be happy because I'm going to want what? More. more. Well, I don't have enough, so I'm not happy, so I need more. It's always this more mentality. I need more. I need more. I mean, need more. And, and at this point, you've got to ask the question, is, is money the problem? Well, no, money's not. Money is actually neutral. Money is not good. Money is not bad. Now, we may not look at money as neutral, but like it says, the love of money is the root of all evil. It's what you do with that money and how you deal with it. Having money is a good thing. Not having money is a good thing. No matter what, money is always neutral. However, we will make money out to be more than what it is. And the question that I always ask myself is, do I have money or does money have me? Think about that. Do I have money or does money have me? Because it's a very big difference. If I'm asking, do I have money or is money actually controlling my life? Does it have a grip on me that I worry so much about it that I like freak out? And there are some people who do. There are some people who will literally freak out every day. They're on their checking account every day making sure, oh, did everything get paid? Did something get done? And then you got other people who never look at their checking account because they don't worry about it. But, but it can't be that, you know, money is not going to satisfy us. And, and I want you to notice again 
He didn't tell the soldiers to not be soldiers, right? So it's not about the job. It's not about the job. It's not about what you do. It's about how they were doing it. It was about what they were doing in their sense of power, in their control, what they were doing to people who they were dealing with. And they were either skimming off the top, they were extorting or making false claims against people, and that was the part that was wrong. They were using their position as a position of power instead of using their position to provide for their daily needs. And unfortunately, even in today's society, we will get people who will do that, who will use their position as a way of power to control somebody, then use it as a way just to provide for our needs and, and provide that we can continue to move on in our life. And, and I want you to understand that it doesn't mean that you can't, you know, quit your job. Well, I need more money, Pastor. Okay, go find a job that pays you more money. There's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. The difference is what you do with it. If you're actually saying, hey, well, I need more money to support my hurts, my hang-ups, and my habits, you may not want to go get another job because you know what? Your hurts, hang-ups, and habits are going to be that much worse. They're going to get that much worse because you're going to have more money to provide for them instances. Instead of just being saying, hey, I'm satisfied with what I have. I need to continue to go on. I need to continue to move. And ultimately, you know, maybe you need to find a, a better job because right now you're a workaholic and you're working way too many hours and you're not getting time with your family or your friends or your loved ones because you're so worked up on, I got to work all these extra hours. I got to work overtime. I got to do this. I got I got I got I got I got to. And meanwhile, no, what you got to do is spend time with your family. So maybe you need to find a job that pays a little more so you're not always gone, so you're not absent in those relationships. You know, and understand it's, it's for that need of that relationship with the family, not the need of the resources of the money. You know, they, they go kind of hand in hand. And remember that contentment is opposite of covetousness, but we will covet all kinds of things. And as we look at this, i got a couple other verses I want to go through. But before I do that, I'm going to Greek out on you guys a little bit. Because I want to look at the, the Greek word in here, the Greek word for be satisfied, to be content, or anything like that. The Greek is actually, the word is called, is archaeo. And archaeo has many meanings. You know, one is to be content to suffice, to, to be okay with what you have. It, it means to have enough. But the one definition that really got me is to ward off. So archaeo means to ward off. So what is this warding off? And I got to thinking about that of what are things that get in our way of being content? And a lot of times we need to be able to ward them things off to stop them from taking control of our life so that we can continue to move forward. And, and we know that not every situation is enjoyable that we go through, but wouldn't it be nice to be able to ward off some of those situations? To be able to say, you know what, I can ward this off and continue to live in my life. I can continue to have joy and peace and be thankful for everything 
because of that contentness or that ability to ward off what is trying to take my joy. Think about it. If you're content in your relationship, it will ward off covetousness. If you're content in your relationship, it'll ward off an affair. If you're content with your family, it, you're more, if you're content with your family, it'll ward off that workaholic because you won't want to be a workaholic because you're going to want to spend that time with your family. And, and, and maybe you're escaped, like I said, in some type of addiction or something that's keeping you from that relationship with Jesus. Our, our KO, or actually doing this, can actually ward off that addiction so that you can actually be closer to Jesus. So you can be closer to Christ and live that life. So our KO means so much more than what our simple word content means. And it has one other meaning. To be possessed with unfailing strength. How would you like to be possessed with unfailing strength when it comes to your faith? Everyone in here probably, right? Well, that's the difference. When you see the word content or be satisfied or contentment in the Bible, that's what it means. So it's so much more than us just being content, us being happy with what we got. You're able to ward off things. You're able to have this, uh, this strength that's able to go further and this unfailing strength to move forward. It's so much different when you look at what the actual word and the actual meaning is. And, and even other passages, Hebrews 13, 15, for instance, says this. Keep your life free from the love of money. Be satisfied with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you or abandon you. So this passage has two commands. The very first one is simple. And it's pretty straightforward. Do not love money. Pretty simple. I think we can all get that. God tells us to love him. He tells us to love others. He never tells us to love our money. He never tells us to love our possessions. As a matter of fact, in God's word, we're told what? Not to love our possessions. Not, not to worry about it because what are they going to do? We can't take them with us. They're going to stay here. They're, they're going to burn. They're going to be gone. So we need to not worry about our possessions. And the next command is this. Be content. Be content. Be satisfied. And I think the two are kind of related to each other. You know, if you don't love money... Then you, can, then you can be content. But if you do love money, you can't be content. And, and I think as we look at our lives, we can probably understand that too because if we truly love money and we have this love for money, we're never going to have enough. And we're never going to be content. But if we use money for what it is, a way to be able to, to provide for our needs, we can be content with that. Because we, we know it's for our needs and not maybe for our wants, but for our needs. Now, now understand it, it it's, we just, it's about being content. And even in 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 8, it says this. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out. If we have food and clothing, we will be content with these things. You can't take it with you. How many times y'all heard that? You can't take it with you. But we will obsess over things that we can purchase. We will obsess over things that 
maybe our accomplishments or our things or whatever it may be, we will actually boast and worry about them instead of being content. Instead of being content in what God's got for us, we, we seek all these things that mean nothing. And, and we try and accomplish on who's got the most toys. Think about it. Who's got the most, whoever's got the most toys wins, right? And unfortunately, it's ingrained in us since we were little kids, because what's the first thing you do when you get two little kids together? What do you hear? Mine. And we become adults, and guess what? We still look at the same thing. It's mine. You know, we get so caught up, but we need to understand that everything we need is provided for us. <clears throat> everything we need is provided. If you have food and clothing and a roof over your head, guess what? You've got the bare necessities. And if you've got a roof over your head and clothes and food, you are richer than many people in this world. Think about that. You are richer than many people in this world. What you have could be considered a millionaire's lifestyle in some other countries. And we will look at it like we got nothing. We will have the bare necessities, what we need, a roof over our head, food and clothing, and we will not be happy. And there's a lot of people out there like that, and some of you may be here in church. I got the bare necessities, but I'm not happy. Because unfortunately in this life, what do we want? We want more. We want more, everything in bulk. Go to Costco, go to Sam's Club, buy everything in bulk. Because, it, oh, I can buy it in bulk and I'm never going to use it, but at least I have it. I'm going to buy toilet paper. I don't know why, but it seems to be going off the shelf, so I'm going to buy it. We will hoard so many different things in our life that make zero sense because we want to have it. We've got to possess it. We've got to have it. And it all becomes this whole thing about not being content with what we have. Ultimately, you got to ask yourself this very simple question. Do you have Jesus? Do you have Jesus? Because if you have Jesus, you can be content. Think about the end of Hebrews 13, 5. What did it say? For he himself has said, I will never leave you or abandon you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. All you need is Jesus. He will take care of you your entire life. There may be times you don't have as much as you used to have. There may be times that maybe you lose a job or you walk away from a job where you're making a great income to be making no income. And then all of a sudden you look at it and go, man, I got everything I need. And then you realize how much you used to waste. And I can tell you that from experience. I remember making six figures a year, walking away from a job going, what, six weeks without work, then only making $30,000 a year. And you know what? Never missed a payment the whole time. Never had not had food on my table. Never any of this happened to me. You know why? Because he provided for me the whole time. And then when I was making $30,000 a year and I realized I was still making all my bills and all my payments, I realized, man, you know, I wasted $70,000 a year on stuff. I wasted all of this money on stuff and whatever it was, taking people out to dinner, you know, going out with youth after youth night, and you'd have 20 people at the table, and you'd tell the waitress, hey, give me all the, give me all the bills. And you'd pay all the bills, and, 
and, you know, hey, don't worry about it, it's on me. And the amount of money wasted, and you know what? I wasn't content. And I think that's truly why God made me go in there and say, hey, either we're going to do it right or I quit. And then they called my bluff, so I actually had to quit. And I actually had to do what God called me to do. But at that point in time, that's when I truly understood what it was to be content. Because it wasn't about stuff. It wasn't about anything else. It was about him. And, and it reminded me of what Augustine of Hippo said. He said, our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. Does your heart rest in Jesus? Because that makes all the difference in the world. When, when we can truly rest in him, we can be content with whatever we have. We can be content, we can be happy, and guess what? We can be thankful for what he has provided in our life when we rest in him. When he rests inside of our hearts and we find that rest in him, we can rest inside this world. We can rest and we can be content and we can be happy because of him. You see, each one of us, we got this hole in our heart that we're trying to, that we're trying to fill. And unfortunately, in the world and in the past, many of us have tried to fill that hole with stuff. We've tried to fill it in some case, maybe it was drugs or alcohol, pornography or something like that. In some cases, it's working like crazy. Oh, I got to work all these extra hours. Oh, I got to go find a better job. Oh, I need the brand new Mercedes-Benz because that's what my next door neighbor has. And you know what? I need to get a better vehicle than them. Oh my God, they just bought a, put a swimming pool in their backyard. I need to put a bigger swimming pool in my backyard. Oh my God, I can't believe my best friend just bought a new house. Oh, I got to go buy a new house. And we get so caught up in all this stuff instead of being content. And we're chasing to try and fill this hole that's inside of us that only Jesus can replace. And when we allow him to take that place in our hearts and we allow him to actually start changing us, we can become content. We can become thankful for what he does in our life and not worry about stuff. Because you can't take it with you. So if you can't take it with you, do you really want to leave it to someone else? Because there's some stuff, I mean, I got kids. I get this, I get that. I'm like, that's pretty good. Y'all want all this stuff. Y'all want all this stuff. Oh, well, when dad dies, I want this and I want that and I want this. And guess what? It probably ain't going to be here when I die. I might just sell it all. Give it all away. And let them fight after I'm gone because it won't matter. I won't be in the middle of it. <laughs> they can argue amongst themselves all they want. But it's crazy that we'll actually do that. We will obsess over some crazy stuff. I remember when my grandparents passed away, the one thing I wanted was their grandfather clock. And my sisters, oh, I already took that. And I'm thinking, wait, you already got one. But instead of getting mad, I just said, you know what, that's okay. I don't need it. I'll always have that memory of it. I'll have that memory of winding it up with my grandfather. I'll have that memory of what it was. And guess what? I don't necessarily need it because when I'm gone, who's it going to go to? Trust me, kids nowadays could care less about a grandfather clock. They could care less about fine china. So why do you have fine china sitting in a case and no one ever uses it? 
I remember growing up, going to my aunt and uncle's house, and they had plastic on their furniture. And I was like, why is the plastic on the furniture? Because you don't sit on it. And they had the plastic runners all across the carpet. It was like crazy. But guess what? Some of us have that same notion in our heads. Oh, I ain't letting my dog on my furniture. I'm going to get hair on it. Let me tell you, if you come in my house, you're going to get dog hair on you. Because my dogs live there. You're just visiting. Okay? <laughs> but we will worry about so much stuff that makes no sense whatsoever. But if we truly have Jesus in our heart, we don't need to stress about that. Understand that he will provide for us. We, we know that. We can rest assured and we can be content because if he is for us, who can be against us? He says in his word, he will take care of us. He will provide for our needs. We need to understand that. We, we don't need to worry about anything. We don't need to buckle down with the troubled economy. We don't need to worry about what the next big thing is on the horizon. All we need to do is worry about our relationship with him. Truly worry about your relationship with him. You don't need to keep up with the Joneses. You don't need to keep up with whatever's the latest, greatest thing out there. Because it makes no sense. Be content in what you have. And if you can be content in what you have, you can be thankful. And you can be giving to others. But it takes that change. It takes that understanding. What is contentment? Contentment is being able to ward other things off. Having that strength to be able to go forward in your faith and do what he calls you to do. And having that strength to know that, hey, he said he will take care of me. He said he will provide for my needs. And I need to stand on that each and every day. Be strong in your faith, standing on what he calls it to do, because he will provide. Remember, him and his son both said it. I will never leave you or forsake you. You want to stand on a promise in God's word? Stand on that. Make that be your promise. And just understand, like I said, we don't have to continually seek after the latest, greatest thing. Instead, we need to seek Christ we need to seek after Christ and let him satisfy our desires. Let him be the one that satisfies, satisfies the desires of your heart. Because we can be content in Christ. We can be content. But guess what? It takes work. It takes work from each one of us to have that contentment. To, to be able to truly trust who he says he is and what his word says. We can trust in him that when it's said and done, his will is better than ours. His will is better than ours. We just need to, and not like mom and dad, accept it, but truly accept him for who he is. He loved you enough to send his one and only son to die on a cross for you. That's how much he loves you. And if he loves you that much, we should be content in what he does for us. And we should show that love back to him, and we should have hearts of gratitude for him and what he's done. And maybe you're sitting here and saying, well, that's great, Pastor, but 
But I haven't done that. You know, that whole accepting Jesus thing. I, I, I don't know if I can do that. I, I, I'm possessed by things of this world. I don't know how to be thankful. I definitely don't know how to be content. And, and I don't have a heart of gratitude. And, and I don't know. And I'm going to tell you this. You don't have any of that because you don't have him. He is the one who can give you a heart of gratitude. He is the one that can make you be thankful. He's the one that will fill you with thanks and praise. He loved you enough that he sent his only son down a cross. And if you're waiting to be perfect, it already says in God's word, for no one is perfect. All of us are sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. So you're right there with us. You're not going to be perfect. No one is. You're a sinner. So am I. So is everyone else in the room. So is everyone who joined us for church online. We're all sinners and we all fall short. Each one of us may have different sin, but we still have sin in our life. But we're Christ's followers. So God's word goes on and says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's where it starts. That's where it starts through that accepting of him as your Lord and Savior, asking him to lord over your life instead of you lording over your own life. And starting to seek him to be content. Start to seek him for that archaeo, for that, for that ability to have that unbelievable strength in your faith. To be able to ward off those things that are trying to stop you from doing what he calls you to do. And to be the man or woman that God has called you to be. Being content in this life. And for some of us here today, we're, hey, pastor, man, you're talking about me up here. I ain't content. I want more. Man, you don't understand, Pastor. You know why I don't come to church every weekend? Because I'm out there working. I'm working extra work. And, and I got enough. I got a house. I got a car. I got food on my table. But, but man, my next-door neighbors just bought a new bass tracker. My next-door neighbors just got that brand-new electric Bronco. My, my neighbors just got that brand-new C-Class Mercedes. And I need to try and keep up with them because, because I, I can't let them be better than me. You know, I'm driving this old 1985 Ford F-150. I, I need to get better. And, and we will actually put those other things in front of our relationship with Jesus. We will put work in front of our family. We will put work in front of being with friends and family. We get so caught up in everything else trying to gain stuff because he who has the most toys wins. At least that's what the world says. God says, I will never leave you or forsake you. He will provide for your needs. He will provide what you need. Be satisfied for once in your life. Be satisfied because of your relationship with him. And if you're not satisfied, come up here and ask him to bring you satisfaction. Seek the satisfaction in him. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you today and we thank you. We thank you for everything you do in our life, even though we don't deserve it. 
And Lord, there's so many times in my life that I've not been satisfied. And, and even as I said today, Lord, there's times I just don't understand. You want me to be content, but I'm not content. And, and I'm not content because of me. And maybe you're not content because of you. So, Lord, I... Hey, thanks again for joining us here today at FBC Lantana for Church Online. And, and, and if, if you enjoyed what you saw today, I'd just like to ask you to go ahead, go to our website and, and help support this ministry as we try and outreach and reach the lost for Jesus Christ. And you can just go to our website, fbclantana.com slash give. Um, and you can make an online donation right there. Again, I encourage you to get connected to a local church. And especially if during this message you felt compelled to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, definitely go tell somebody. Let someone know because that is the greatest decision you could ever make in your life. And, and from there, get connected to a local church. Hey, we would love to provide you with some resources with that. You can go to our website, fbclantana.com. And on the very front page, you say, give my life to Jesus. Click on there, and at the bottom of there, there's some links and some good information for you. And just wanted to say, welcome to the family.